powerful is the Cox Network. So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere, it's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. Taking charge of your future starts with taking the first steps. And saving up to $30 a month on Cox Internet with the Affordable Connectivity Program makes those steps easy to take. Whether they bring you to click upload on your first short film... Or join now for an online book club. Applying is easy. See if you qualify at cox.com slash ACP. Non-transferable one per household application and eligibility decisions are made by the FCC. You're about to experience a life-giving message from Bishop Kevin Foreman, the people's bishop and pastor of Harvest Church. We exist to lead people to totally love God, love people, and love life as one church in global locations. Find out more on our website at www.harvestchurch.church or get our app by texting the word HARVEST to the number 877-552-4746. Your faithful giving is how we continue to bring life-giving messages like these to you. So bless what blesses you in our app or online at www.harvestchurch.church forward slash give. Now here's today's life-giving message. Let's make our confession of faith together. For God's glory, this is my best year yet. To the word I'm about to hear, I believe, I obey, I manifest, and that settles it in Jesus' name. God, we're open, and we are shown up, ready tonight. Speak this in the atmosphere, say, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready to receive God's word for me. Heal me tonight, God, in areas I didn't know I needed healing, in Jesus' name. So let's go to work. Uh, this series all this month is called Spiritual Adulting, and it is based off of the concept of natural adulting. Natural adulting is the practice. Let's stop right there. You, do, you are not something because you do it once. You are what you practice, not what you just do once. Hear me. If you want to succeed at anything, it is going to have to be your practice, which means this is what I do over and over and over again. This is my consistency. You can't go to the gym once and have a banging body, yada, yada. Y'all not going to talk. You cannot make one good financial decision and make a, a million other bad financial decisions. You cannot make one good friendship decision and make millions of bad friendship decisions. It has to be your practice. I need you to speak this over your life. Say, my practice. It's the practice of behaving in a way characteristic of a responsible adult, especially, especially the accomplishment of mundane but necessary tasks, which means this may not necessarily be something that brings me a lot of joy, but it brings me a lot of fruit. It's not something that I necessarily enjoy, but it brings me a lot of fruit. It may not be something that I like to do. I don't necessarily like forgiving people that I want to snap, crackle, and pop on, but it gives me results y'all better talk i may not necessarily want to be nice to you is there anybody in the building or online but there's some people you were like i don't even want to be nice to you i want to treat you the same way you treated me but because i'm a spiritual adult i wish i had some spiritual adults in the building it's mundane but i gotta do it somebody say i gotta do it i 
So spiritual adulting is found in 1 Corinthians 13 and 11. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the Corinthian church, and he says this to them. He says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. What are those three words? Spoke, thought, reason. Say it with me. Spoke, thought, reason, which means a child. Watch me. How do you know you're immature? We can hear it in your speech. When you're immature, everything is always about me, 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 me. When you're immature, you're always staring out the window because you never look in the mirror. When you are, y'all ain't talking to me Wednesday. When you are immature, you sound a certain way. Because every time you get checked about anything, your first question is, well, you're going to say something to her? I ain't talking to her right now. I'm talking. Come on, I, I, I can see. Okay, let's go. When you are immature, watch me, you don't hear the quality or substance of what somebody says because you are judging the packaging that said it. So because you don't like who said it, now you got an issue with what they said. Y'all ain't going to talk. Instead of recognizing, watch me, there's value in what they said. When I was a child, I spoke like one. Children are always trying to get over what they can get. Can I help some of you parents? Your children are not as squeaky clean as you think. I know you think your kids are the best kids on the block and they don't do nothing. I'm here to let you know you better check them phone records because they're doing a whole lot more than what you know. What's the principle? Children have a vocabulary. They have a speech. Watch me. When you call them on something, they say, huh, so they can think of a lie. Children speak a certain way. You got to hear me. Then Paul says they think a certain way. When you're a child, your mind, your cognition is not fully developed, which means you don't have the ability to be perceptive of anything beyond yourself. So watch me. A child will literally say to their parents something that they don't even recognize their parent doesn't have the ability to handle because in their cognitive reasoning, they have deduced that it is, that it is possible for them to do what is impossible simply because they asked for it, simply because in their mind, watch me, I asked for it so I should be able to get what I want. When you are a, watch me, when you are a grown child when you're a grown child look at me you don't think about anybody else you don't think about how your decisions affect other people and this is why you have to be careful that you are not so busy come here millennial that you don't be so busy calling everybody a narcissist that you miss the fact that you're one Y'all ain't going to talk. Don't be so busy calling everybody else a narcissist and they're self-centered and you miss the fact that you are God unto yourself. Because if you don't like something, watch me, you're going to try to poison everybody else not to like it. I wish you touch somebody next to you and say, let's grow up. Let's grow up. I didn't like the way they said it. Touch somebody else. Say, let's grow up. Let's grow up. You speak a certain way. You think a certain way, and watch me, and you reason a certain way. Watch me. This means this is the way you make your decisions. When you make your decisions, you make short-term decisions that give you short-term pleasure instead of long-term gain. So a child just wants to have a good time today. But watch me. But an adult will say, well, no, but if I do this today, this is going to create a problem for me next week. Let's just have an honest moment. How many of us can tell the 100% truth in this building or online that we all have had a lot of childish moments, watch me, while being grown, let's tell the truth, while being saved, let's tell the truth, while being a Christian, but thanks be to God, because that was then, 
and this is now. I need you to lay your hands on yourself this time. Say, you're growing up, you're growing up. Spoke like a child, thought like a child, reasoned like a child. But the Apostle Paul says, but when I became a man, became there isn't automatic. In America, we think of being grown automatic. When you turn 18, I'm grown now. I can vote. I can do this. I can do this. I'm grown now. Mama, I ain't coming home at a certain time because I'm grown. Watch me. Which means you're grown, but you're still childish because what you have failed to include in your deductive logic, in your speech, in your thinking, and in your reasoning is that this is my house. So what you fail to understand is while you groan, watch me, well then take your groan behind. Watch me, watch me. When you're a kid and when you're a teenager, we think that way and then God will pay you back. You know what it's called? Kids. For some of y'all, your kids are God's way of making you reap what you sow because he said you gave your mama hell. I'm of every parent of a bishop, these kids, I want to talk to your mama. I want to talk to your dad. I want to talk to who raised you. Watch me. Let's go. It's not automatic. Pay attention. He says, literally, when I became there in Greek, the language of my New Testament, it means when I decided to become, which means this had to be a choice. There's a difference between being a man and a male, between being a female and a lady or a woman. Pay attention. He says, I had to make a choice. Watch me. To be a man, to be a mature man, to be a spiritual adult. So I had to give up my childish ways. Question, what do you still need to give up? And pay attention to what he said. My childish ways, which means, watch me, you've been like this, but it's not been right. Because here's what a lot of people say. That's just how I am. Then why get saved and believe in a God that can change you if all you want to do is be the, look at me, look at me. You ever had to, um, you, you know, uh, maybe you worked out, you, you got you, something, you, you went hiking, you know, it's Denver, you went hiking. Um, you know, me, that, watch me, you went, you went hiking, you, you, you did something, and, and, and watch me, and listen very carefully. Or you, you went somewhere, you went through the whole work day, and you had to change. Watch me. But all you could do was change your clothes. You weren't able to wash your body, yaddy, yaddy. Don't look at me like you've never done it. We knew we would do that, so we visited some of you all this week. We have some footage this week we'd like to show you all. Everybody look at me. What many people do when they get saved is all they do is put on different clothes on a stinking body. Because you don't actually intend to change. So you'll hear the word for everybody else, but some of y'all right now, you ain't hearing it for you. You're thinking, I hope she's listening. I'm talking to you. Let somebody next to you say, this is for you. Some of y'all right now, I wonder who he talking about. You! You ready? <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Watch me. Look at 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 me. Here's what he says. He says, I have to give up my childish ways, which means 
there's some ways that you have, some ways that you learn, some ways you've grown up, some ways you've been taught, some ways you were taught, this is how the women in our family are. This is how the men in our family are. This is how we, this is how we process stuff. This is how we deal with stuff. And so consequently, watch me. You ready? You think everybody has to put up with your ways. And when they don't put up with your ways, you say they don't love you. I can love you and hate your ways. Y'all ain't going to talk? You ever really love somebody and said, God, dog, but I just can't stand to be around them because the way they act, the way they talk, they're great when they're great, but... Open your mouth say, give up childish ways. Uh-uh, don't get quiet. Uh-uh, don't play me. Do not play me like a cheeseburger when I'm a whole Big Mac. Open your mouth, please, and say, give up childish ways. In Live Like a Phoenix, we saw that spiritual adulting was shown to us through the mythological creature, a phoenix. Phoenix literally means to rise. Um, it literally means to be unique or remarkable. A phoenix is not an actual bird. There's no bird that you will ever find in the wild that is a phoenix. It is a mythological creature, and there's something unique and remarkable about it. Just like you, you are not like everybody else. And can I help some of you? Stop watering down who you are to match regular, unremarkable, non-unique people. I, I wish you'd encourage somebody next to you because sometimes they feel like, maybe I, maybe I just want too much. No, you've just been around people that don't want enough. Would you encourage somebody next to you, tell them, say, you're unique and remarkable. Come on, online, tag somebody and tell them you're unique and remarkable. Anybody else go through what you've been through, they would have lost their mind. But because you're a phoenix, you actually rouse from the situation. A phoenix would set itself on fire because a phoenix would say, I know I need to change. A phoenix, look at me, a phoenix, please listen to me. In a cycle of life, the phoenix would say, I cannot get to where I want to go acting like this. So the phoenix didn't wait for a fire to come. The phoenix would take the lighter fluid and say, you know what? The way I've been handling this, it's not working. The way I've been talking, it's not working. Is there anybody in this building or online? You can be honest. There's some things you've been doing that are not working. So the phoenix, so the phoenix would say, let me set my, let me get the lighter fluid. Let me set myself on fire. See, mature people don't mind checking themselves. You ready? Mature people don't get offended when someone critiques or criticizes. Because a mature person will say, I'll chew the meat, I'll spit the bone. And the part that was good for me, I'm going to set that on fire. You can learn something from anybody. What if God hid the wisdom for who you needed to become in somebody you did not like? Come on, y'all. Look at the person next to you and say, set yourself on fire. It would set itself on fire. Then it would rise from the ashes. Pay attention. What are ashes? Ashes represent what burned off. Ashes represent what burned down. Pay attention to me. For some of you, you are in love with your ashes. 
And tonight we finna have a divorce session. Call me Judge Kevin Foreman tonight. Court is now in session. Why? Because there's some stuff that you have become in love with. You're not who you used to be anymore. You're not the depressed you. You're not the stressed you. You're not the bad attitude you. You're not the you that quits because it gets difficult. You're not, that's not who you are anymore. Please touch somebody on the shoulder and say, don't fall in love with your ashes. The ashes represent what had to be burned off, which means you were not supposed to stay in those ashes. You were supposed to rise from those ashes. Y'all like my little Phoenix? We're going to call him Phoenix. That's his name. All right, pay attention. When it rose from the ashes, it was better. Why? Because all of this that it loved, watch me, was really dead weight. It takes a lot of energy to have a bad attitude. It takes a lot of energy to hate somebody. I wish you would be sitting up. I can't stand him. I can't stand her. I ain't got time to think about you. Baby, I'm living my best life. I ain't going back and forth with you ninjas. Look at somebody, please, and encourage them tonight. Come on, tell them, tell them, say, let the ashes go. Let the ashes This is, this is dead weight. And sometimes you can fall in love with an inferior version of yourself. And Phoenix don't stay in the ashes. A Phoenix said, I know you thought this was going to kill me. I know you thought you was going to push me out. What you don't realize is you'll go before I do. You'll give up before I do. You'll stop before I stop. <laughs> oh, God. I wish I had some gladiators in the building tonight. I wish I had some gladiators online tonight. You thought this was going to be my end. When you begin to do the work on you, um, people will sometimes look at you and think, ooh, they in a rough place. Oh, baby. What you do not understand is I'm a phoenix. Chicken have to cluck in the ashes. You ready? But a phoenix rises from the ashes. I need you to prophesy this because between now and the end of this year, every ounce of you, every area in your life is going to be on the rise. Lift your hands, worship God for five seconds. Right there, five. Three, two, come on, somebody say, I'm rising. I'm rising. Pay, pay attention. And when it rose, it rose better. Because everything in the ashes represented, watch me, when they thought like a child. Spoke like a child. Reasoned like a child. Can I be honest with some of you, and can I say it real honest on a Wednesday night? You take too long to change. Your fire been burning since 95. And you still talking about, I'm finna do it. Uh-uh. I can see we need some backup in this spirit. Just, 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 just touch somebody behind the back. Touch somebody, just touch them behind their back on the upper part of their back. If that hand come below them shoulder blades, I rebuke you. You ready? 
online, 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 touch somebody there, or just stretch your hand towards me. Just say, in Jesus' name, I push you to change quickly. We're not talking about this in January. We're not dealing with this in February. We're not having this discussion in March. I need you to handle it and handle it quickly. Shout, I'm a phoenix. So watch me. Watch me. The phoenix who sets itself on fire. Watch me. Uh, fire in the Bible is a paradox. What does that mean? Two contradictory statements that are simultaneously true about the same thing. They contradict one another. It's like, how can it be hot and cold at the same time? But how many of you ever been in your car, had the heat on and let the window down? Especially if you live in somewhere like Denver where in the mornings you're cold. The weather this afternoon deceived me. Because I, I, when I walked out of my house, it was bright and sunny and all of that. And I asked Alexa, and she was wrong. She said, it's 41 degrees. I said, you a lie. I said, look at the sun out there. And then I, I looked at the series. Siri said, it's 61. I said, well, between both of y'all, somewhere in there is the truth. And so I walked outside. I walked outside, and it was, I, I, I walked out. And the moment that cold air hit me, I said, I guess you won so much a lie. Now, now, now watch. Um, how is it both things at the same time? How can you be totally encouraged and totally discouraged at the same time? But how many of us have been there? How many, watch me, how can you feel totally strong and completely weak at the same time? You ever got off a prayer on a Monday night and was like, let's do this, let's come on, let's go, and woke up on Tuesday, Jesus, I don't know. You ever left church on fire and then the moment you get in your car and turn your car on, you're like, So two contradictory statements that are, that are true about the same thing. So fire in the Bible is antagonism, hostility, and opposition. Watch me. At the same time, it's passion, excitement, and zeal, which means, pay attention, God will use your antagonism, your hostility, your opposition. And where do those things appear? So opposition, opposition is in your, you ready? It's in your present. Y'all still with me? Okay, watch me. Uh, antagonism is, you come over here for me. Antagonism, stand right there by that stair for me, please. Antagonism is in your future. You ready? Are you ready? Hostility is in your past. So now, watch me. You got stuff coming from behind you, stuff in front of you, and stuff you worried about you ain't even got to yet. And for some of you, this is why you don't even sleep good. Why? Because you've got antagonism, you've got opposition, you have got hostility. And so watch me, when you try to sleep, you're reminded of the antagonism, the hostility, and the opposition. And what does that feel like? It feels like fire. And here's what spiritual adults do. We take that fire and we say, I know there's opposition in my present. You're trying to block me. I know that there is antagonism in my future. I know that there is hostility in my past. Watch me. But you know what it makes me do? It gives me passion. So the more you mess with me, the more passionate I'm going to do what I do. I need some of y'all to stop punking out. No punks allowed. Would you lay your hands on yourself and say, I got passion from it. I passion, excitement, and zeal. 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 This would be a weird year. One of the definitions. 
Come on, be a good church, y'all. Be a good church. Which means God says, this year, I've been letting opposition, hostility, and opposition come at you. And you weren't supposed to stop. You weren't supposed to get depressed. You weren't supposed to uh, be frustrated. You were supposed to get passion, excitement, and zeal. How does this play out? Thank you all. How does this play out practically? In 1 Corinthians 11 and 31, what does this mean practically? What is this, what, how do I actually do this tonight in the morning? 1 Corinthians 11 and 31. Who's writing this? The Apostle Paul. Who's he writing it to? The Corinthian church. What is he telling them? If you evaluated and judged yourself. Honestly. Now, now, this may offend the person next to you and blame it on me because I don't care. I love them. And my job as a shepherd is to love. You ready? So if you have an issue, come see me after church. I'd love to talk. I love you. I said I love you. <laughs> you ready? You got to have fun in church. Watch me. You want to know your... your your neighbor's problem, you're spiritual. You are deep. When you pray, your tongues take you into the third heaven. When you pray, your tongues have a roll. Like it rolls. That neighbor of yours, that neighbor of yours, here's their issue. They're not honest with themselves. You spiritual. You, I'm not talking to you. That person in your section. YouTube, that person on Facebook, that person that's watching you. You, you got to hear me. You got to hear me. Look, look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. He says, if we evaluated and judged ourselves honestly, the biggest liar to you is you. Let's prove it with some questions. So what could you have done differently? I couldn't have done nothing different. Come on here. So what part did you play? Nothing. Okay. So what are you going to do different? There's nothing different I could have done. Have you moved on? I've moved on. Has she moved on? Has he moved on? You a lie. Okay. Let's go. You have to be honest with yourself and then recognize your shortcomings and then watch what the Bible says and then correct your behavior. Here's what some people are good at. There's somebody I used to tell. I, I, I told this individual. I said, you are smart. I said, you're so smart. And, and I had a close relationship with them. And, and so uh, when I say this, I, I said it in the context of that relationship. I said, you're so smart, you're dumb. I said, because you could literally sell ice to an Eskimo and he'd think he got a good deal. Some of you missed it. <laughs> I know they ain't teaching like they used to teach. And, an Eskimo, igloos, ice. So I told him, 
I told, I told some of y'all still like, I don't get it. Why didn't he go to the store, Bishop? I'm not understand. It's all right. Come on, let's go. Let's go. All right, let's go. Come on, we're together. Here it is. He, I said, you're so smart. I said, I, he says, you right, you right. I said, I'm not saying this because I want to be right. I said, I am saying this because you are literally sleeping on what should be a seven-figure life. I said, and you're sitting here struggling when you should be living large, but you won't correct your behavior. What has God had to withhold because of how you act? Come on, Wednesday. This is a mature message. And I don't know about you. I want everything. Come on, let's have some honest talk. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all been childish. We've all messed up. But this is a new day. And if you know it's a new day and you're not going to repeat the same mistakes in your future, I need you to release a shout right there. Not going back. 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 Let's go. He said, recognize our shortcomings, correct our behavior. Which means it's not enough to say, I know, I know, I know. That's not enough. That's not enough. That's not enough. That's not enough. This weekend when I was traveling, um, my, my flight was canceled. And I've, I don't normally have things like this happen. I mean, like one other time, my flight was delayed twice. I was like, cool, that's good. They give me some time to get some stuff done. Then they said, they, the plane came. Now, I want you to understand this. They said, we're waiting on the plane to get here. I see the plane come up. They said, the plane's here. We just got to clean it and spray some stuff, and y'all be able to get on the plane. I'm looking at the plane. I'm like, it's about to go. They're deplaning. I'm like, okay, it's about time to go. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. Then they don't say nothing. Everybody's phone starts, bing, bing. This flight has been canceled. I said, plane right here. I literally said, look, there's some pilots over there. <laughs> I said, y'all come over here, get in this plane, <laughs> and let's go. I got to go. I'm not, I don't, I'm not going to sit in no airport all day. I'm not, that's, I'm not called to that. You need to know what you're called to do, and this is not part of what God's called me to do. And so I'm in the airport, and so um, they, they say, okay, we're going to book you on this next flight. It, it, click the button, boom, it's automatic. I'm like, cool. Then they say, now that flight's delayed. And then you're going to have to connect. You're going to have to fly from, from Chicago. Then you're going to have to go to Phoenix. And then you're going to have to sit in Phoenix for two hours. And then you're going to come to Denver. I said, okay, well, that's cool. I said, you know what? It's going to give me some time. I said, let's make the most of it. It's going to give me some time. I'll, I'll get some steps in. I'll walk. You know, you know, I'll do something. And then they said, well, now the other flight's delayed. So you're going to get to Phoenix late. So you're going to miss your connection. So I said, so what y'all going to do? I mean, who, who coming to get us? Like somebody coming, like, you know, we're going to take a helicopter ride. You know, Phoenix is closer. And so they do all that. So I have to go through all this. I have to get a whole other flight, a whole other thing. Here's the point. Um, I have a friend who works for American, and he said, Bishop, I got you. And so he was in the computer doing some clicking and stuff. He said, I got you. Your point's back. I said, my point's back? I said, I had to get a whole other flight on a whole other airline. I said, I said, points? I said, y'all were going to do that regardless. 
I said, he said, well, this is what he said. He said, well, they don't do that. I said, they don't know me. I said, now let me tell you what's going to happen. I said, because you're going to learn today. I said, let me tell you what's going to happen. I said, I appreciate your policy, and I thank God for it. I said, <laughs> I said, so who do we need to contact? Because y'all need to get this right. Here's the point. Um, we apologize, Dr. Foreman, for everything that happened. I said, thank you. Correct the behavior. And, and in that instance, what was the correction? Pay attention. I'm teaching the point. What was the correction? They could not undo what was done. So what they needed to do was make right what they did wrong. And what is that in that instance? They needed to make me whole for what they took. Look at me. For some of you, watch me. You're like, well, I can't go back in the past and change anything. Correct. But what you can do is do something now to make sure we don't have a repeat of that down the road. You ready, Wednesday? All right, let's go. Look at this. It says this. Um, when you look at this, uh, let me say this real quick, too. Don't self-deprecate when you're correcting your behavior. Because every, look at me, some people take this to the extreme. There's just nothing good about me. Stop. It's for overly dramatic self. Stop. Don't self-deprecate. What does that mean? Don't demean and belittle yourself. Instead, self-appreciate, which here's appreciation. It means I add value. You know what? This is a shortcoming. This is a shortcoming. This is a shortcoming. But here's your shout Wednesday. But this is a good thing. This is a good thing. And this is a good thing. Look at the person next to you and say, don't tear yourself down. So I taught you on Sunday that living like a phoenix is when we encounter antagonism, hostility, or opposition, we evaluate and judge ourselves. Look at me, ourselves. Most of us like to spend most of our time judging everybody else. Phoenix look at themselves and say, I ain't worried about you. I'm worried about me. Recognize our shortcomings, then correct our behavior. Tonight's message is called, and I want to connect all this for you. We're going up. How to receive, pay attention to the title, rejection and abandonment. Why did I say receive it? Watch me. Because it is a part of life. Look at me. You will be rejected. Look at me. You will be abandoned by people you expected to hold you up. These are two of the biggest fires that we face in life. And remember, a phoenix, when it experiences fire, it develops what? Passion, excitement, and zeal. So when you experience rejection and abandonment, when you're a spiritual adult, i.e. a phoenix, watch me, you experience passion, zeal, and excitement. You say, I understand I'm rejected by you, but you ain't the only acceptor in the room. You say, watch me, I understand you don't want to help me, so that means God's going to have to raise somebody else up to help me. Don't you, oh God, don't you ever let somebody hold you hostage. But who's going to do it if I don't do it? God will raise up somebody else. But what I will not be held is hostage by you. To somebody close to you, say, don't be held hostage. Rejection and abandonment are two of the biggest fires that we face. They're two of the biggest fires that we face. Two of the biggest fires that we face. Rejection and abandonment made Adam turn on God. Rejection and abandonment made Judas turn on Jesus. Rejection and abandonment, in fact, are more powerful than love because they will make you ignore who loves you to focus on who does not. 
Y'all still with me tonight? How many of us can be honest in these last 11 months you've experienced some form of rejection or abandonment? I, I see virtually every hand up. If your hand's not up, you're a rejector. <laughs> and an, no, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. All right, all right, watch me. Watch me. Watch me. <laughs> I'm just joking. Watch me. Watch me. Here it is. Um, what is rejection? Let's define this. Because some people have misdefined rejection. You weren't rejected, you were corrected. And since no one's ever done that to you, you didn't know the difference. Rejection means pushing away, dismissing, or refusing. What is rejection? It is a loss of desired acceptance. You cannot reject me if I did not care whether or not you accepted me. Rejection is a loss of desired acceptance. Watch me. Listen to this. You can even feel rejection. Watch me. If who you wish they were mm, clashes with who they are. I'm going to back it up and say it again. You can even feel rejection if who you wish they were classes with who they really are. You ever wanted somebody to be something you believed in them? You were like, they can do it. They can do it. And then when you saw who they really were, you, you started feeling bad as if you did something wrong because they weren't who you wished they were. You ready? Um, listen to this. Um, here's abandonment. Abandonment means to withdraw protection. Abandonment normally means it is coming from someone, watch me, in which you were seeking some form of protection from. Um, it means to withdraw support. And it means to withdraw help. How many of you in the last 11 months you've experienced any form of abandonment? Online, wave at me in the building, wave at me, okay? Everybody look at me. That's a part of life. It is a part of life. Come on, say that with me. Say it's a part of life. Here's what's going to trip you out. Our brain reacts to physical pain, watch me, in the same way when we experience rejection or abandonment. Let me bracket it up and say it another way. Your brain cannot distinguish the difference between you getting hit in the face from when you experience rejection and abandonment. This is why whenever you're rejected by somebody you were expecting acceptance from, it feels like you took a whoosh. You ever had that whoosh where you, you got off a phone call and you were like whoosh. You ready? Your brain cannot, it reacts the same way to physical pain as it does to rejection or abandonment. Your brain thinks that when you're abandoned, you've been hit. Your brain thinks that when you've experienced rejection that you've been hit. Can we take it further? Yes, I said, can we take it further? Yes, Listen to this. Rejection or abandonment of your actions isn't rejection of you. Okay? Just because someone says, you don't do right by money, so I ain't giving you no more. You abandon me. No. I rejected your irresponsible spending. We can still go to lunch. See how quiet it got? Because culture has taught us that anytime somebody doesn't give you what you want, they're a hater. They're trying to tear you down. They don't want to see you win. 
rejection of your actions isn't necessarily rejection of you. Can we take this further? Jeremiah 10 and 19. Jeremiah 10 and 19. This is the um, prophet Jeremiah speaking. Jeremiah's name is interesting. Um, uh, His life is interesting. Jeremiah literally is known as the weeping prophet. He's known as the weeping prophet because his assignment involves a lot of rejection. He's rejected by people he's trying to help. Let me help some of you all. You will always experience your greatest rejection from who you often help the most. You will often experience your greatest feelings of abandonment from who you never expected to receive it from. Anybody, come on, let's have testimony service. Anybody ever been left high and dry by somebody? Because you were expecting them to do what they said they were going to do, and they didn't even have the decency to talk to you. They text somebody else. They email somebody else. Right? Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet because his assignment literally involves, he's, he's like, he's always sad. What do you do when your calling makes you have to deal with people who have rejection and abandonment issues? Because people with rejection and abandonment issues will, watch me, they will preemptively reject you before you can reject them. People with rejection and abandonment issues always see everything as you trying to walk away. So if there's an argument, oh, you finna leave now? What? I'm going to the kitchen. Jeremiah is literally, he's sent to deal with people who have rejection and abandonment issues. How do we know? Because the children of Israel, can I teach you for a moment? We'll shout in a moment. Let me teach you for a moment. The children of Israel, they had rejection and abandonment issues. Let's backtrack and look at some of their history. They spent 430 years in Egyptian bondage. The moment they get free, they wild out. Sometimes, watch me, freedom requires more restraint than bondage. When you can do what you want to do, you got to have more restraint when you are being dictated what you have to do. They come out 430 years of bondage. And watch me, they are in their first 11 days out of this journey. They're confronted with a challenge. And when they're confronted with a challenge, what's the first thing they do? They reject and abandon God. Because they accuse him of rejecting and abandoning him. God, you brought us to this Red Sea and and Pharaoh's behind us. Let's go back. You begged me for 430 years to get out of this. And now you have the audacity. Come on, let's, let's be honest. How many of us have ever asked God for something? Got what we asked for and say, wait a minute. I didn't know it was all that. Watch me. After the, watch me. In that first 11 days, they cross over the Red Sea. When they cross over the Red Sea and they're uh, navigating through their journey, Moses goes up uh, on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. So watch me. So we're approximately, say approximately, they're approximately 60 or so days out of bondage. Do you know what they do when Moses takes too long for, watch me, to come tell them what to do? It's a revelation for leaders. They didn't like that it took Moses that much time to get clear instructions on what needed to happen next. What did they do? What did they do? 
they start wilding out. You two months out. You, you two months into freedom, and now they wilding out. They partying. They said, let's make us, we don't, look at what they call him. We don't know what has happened to this man, Moses. 60 days ago, thank God for the man of God. Come on, praise God. 60 days later. We don't know where that man is. It's funny how quickly people will change on you. Watch me. But they don't think they need you anymore. Would you look at somebody next to you and say, God's going to put some good people around you this year. Come on. You ain't going to have people that only use you because they think there's some benefit to you. And the moment that... I need every person that believes your circle is about to upgrade. Throw both your hands in the air and shout, my circle is upgrading. Let's go. Let's go. We're almost there. So Moses, so Moses, he takes 40 days, 40 nights, and the Lord says this to him. Listen very carefully. Here's the connection that we're going on. The Lord says this to him. Moses, get thee down from the mountain. So the Lord gives him the Ten Commandments. He splits the tablets, gives Moses the tablets. It's this big moment. He says, get thee down. Moses is like, I can't even have a moment to go up. I can't even have a moment to go up. He says, get thee down. This is what he said. The children are playing. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. So what ends up happening? Moses comes down. They are wilding out. What are they really doing? They're rejecting and abandoning God because God, watch me, did not do what they wanted to do when he wanted them to do it, how he wanted them to do it. Y'all still with me tonight? Can we have an honest conversation? We all, my hands up first, called ourselves rejected and abandoning the Lord because we didn't see and get what we wanted. Can we have honest conversation tonight? All right? So look at this. Jeremiah, Jeremiah, this weeping prophet, he's dealing with people who act like that. And over time, they got worse and worse and worse. What Moses did wasn't enough for him. Manna from heaven wasn't enough for him. Quail feeding them wasn't enough for him. Splitting the water wasn't enough for him. The second set of Ten Commandments wasn't enough for him. Every miracle wasn't enough for him. Imagine, can we flip it for a moment? Imagine somebody who does everything for you and everything is still not good enough. I'm talking about everything. They needed shoes. God was like, look, we ain't got time to make shoes. What I'm going to do is anoint your shoes so that your shoes never, ever wear out. They were thirsty. God said, I'm going to put water. I'm going to put an aquifer in a place where it should not be so that all Moses is going to have to do is speak to it and water is going to come forth. And it was not enough. This is who Jeremiah was dealing with. And it got worse. You know what they started doing? I don't know if we believe in Yahweh. We believe in crystals now. Checking my chakras. Got my sage. <laughs> Cleansing the spirits. Well, how are you going to cleanse you? I just believe in manifesting. Okay. 
So who going to do it? Who going to do it? I, I just believe in manifesting. I, I don't believe in, in, in uh, uh, organized religion. Ooh, but you like an organized target. I don't believe in that. I, I, don't, I don't believe in all of that. This is what they kept doing to God. They kept, he kept getting them out. And the moment, here's what he said. The, the, can I tell you what he said? The scripture says stuff. If you ever read that Bible, it's pretty intense. He says, this is what he says in one verse. He says, we're almost done. He says, you have the forehead of a whore. That's what he said. That's what the Bible says. That's what, that's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible says. What does that mean? It's hard-headed. <laughs> Some of y'all immediately went to. <laughs> that's the Bible. Then, then in one verse, then in one verse. Look at me. <laughs> What's going on in the corner? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> look, look. Then in one verse, in one verse he says, you actually worse than a whore. Because at least she get paid. You know what he said? You pay your pimp. These, these, are, these are Bible verses. These are Bible verses. God was like, you're actually worse than that. Well, you're judging Rahab. She at least got a check. I'm just saying. These are Bible verses. Everybody, everybody say when we got to go. So imagine how Jeremiah feels. These are the people he's dealing with. So Jeremiah talking about, come on, y'all. Let's, let's love the Lord. Come on, y'all. Let's put God first. Come on, y'all. Let's do that. So watch what they do to Jeremiah. Jeremiah goes through a whole lot of drama. A false prophet lies on him. They throw him into a cistern. He goes through all of these issues. And he's like, God, these people keep rejecting me. And look at what he says about this. Look at what he says about his rejection. Woe is me because of my hurt. He's like, God, this hurts helping your people. Look at, look at somebody next to you say, helping can hurt sometimes. He says, woe is me because of my hurt. My wound is grievous. What does this mean? This is causing me grief. Which means when you experience rejection and abandonment, we go through these five stages of grief. Number one, denial. I know he didn't. How many of you ever been rejected by somebody and your first thought was, how are you going to reject me? How do you know you get that way? Because you start saying stuff like, do they know what I did and they know who I am and I'm a this and I'm a this and I'm a this and I'm a this. Second thing after you experience rejection or abandonment is then you get angry. Oh, so they're going to walk away from me. So first it didn't happen. Now that it happened, you mad. Then you start to bargain. And this is where you have to be careful. Because one of the things you have to learn to do, can I set you free? Is that when people want to walk, it's over there. It's over there. It's over there. No. It's over there. It's over there. Watch me. Do, look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Do not chase 
anybody. Uh-uh. Some of y'all, you keep going through the same hurt and pain because you keep chasing who's already told you that they out the door anyhow. I need you to touch somebody on the soul and say, don't chase anybody. Denial. Look at me. Anger. Then here's the bargaining. The bargaining is the chase. The bargaining is the well. The bargaining is the hmm, shoulda, woulda, coulda. Then you go to the next stage, depression. So now you go from being mad to trying to make deals. Don't nobody want me. Nobody's there for me. Nobody cares about me except the people who do. See, here's what's crazy about rejection and abandonment. You'll let one one person did make you miss the fact that there's so many that are for you. Come on, speak this over your life. Say, there's more for me than against me. Then you finally get to acceptance. And can I be honest with you? Most people live somewhere bouncing between the first four stages and never get to the acceptance stage. What's the acceptance stage? Say spiritual adulting. Look at what Jeremiah says in the next part of the verse. We're almost done. But I said, truly, this is an affliction, and I must bear it. What did he say? I'm choosing, watch me, when I was a child, I spoke like one, I thought like one, I reasoned like one. But I'm grown now. I'm a spiritual adult. So what I have to do, I, look at me, I can't change what grown people do. Look at me. Set yourself free. Matter of fact, matter of fact, everybody stand. I need you to set yourself free. Everybody stand. It's been online. I need you to set yourself free. Can I get you to lift both your hands? Let's lift both your hands. Hold on. No music. Just hold the music for just a second. I need, me. Everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. Put your hands in the air like you do care. You ready? Say, I cannot fight, I cannot fight. Nor, fix nor fix anybody. I set myself free. From trying to force someone to accept me. I set myself free from any abandonment I've experienced. From this moment forward, I'm like Jeremiah. I must bear it. Can you release a praise right there, everybody? Grab a seat. So what does this mean to bear it? Let's teach this, because I need you to know how to deal with this. Because here's what we can't say. You'll never deal with rejection again. That's not true. You'll never deal with abandonment again. That's not true. Look at me. Say bear it. So here's, here's your notes. It means to accept that rejection is a part of life. And it is redirection and it is protection. You're going to be glad, you ready, that there's some people that did not accept you. Some of you have already experienced it. You wanted to be with somebody so bad. Watch me. And then you saw them a few years later. And you said to yourself, thank you, Jesus. I like that. You went from so mad to so glad. You're like, and I'm glad about it. <laughs> Say rejection is redirection and protection. There's something God's protecting you from when you experience rejection. 
There's something God's trying to redirect you to when you experience rejection. Number two, after you accept it, then you kind of have to advance. What does this mean? Listen carefully through here. That's why I wanted to talk it so you get it real good. This means you don't preemptively reject. We live in a culture where people preemptively reject. It's called ghosting. And not just relationally. People will ghost on a job. They probably gonna fire me tomorrow. So you don't show up. Don't look at me like that. We live in a culture where people will preemptively, if you think you might get cut, you cut and run. How do you advance? You don't become a runner. You stand flat-footed and say, whatever needs to be dealt with, let's deal with it. But what can't be on the table is you walking. See how quiet it just got right there? Got real quiet. Um, I have a rule in life. Can I share this rule? Uh, this rule is I am sure, there's one thing I'm sure about. I don't want anybody around me that is not sure they want to be there. So if you're not sure, I got you. I'll be sure for you. Call me, I'll be sure. I'll be sure for you. Watch me, because I can't deal with, watch me, with your wishy-washiness. I can't deal with not knowing whether or not I can depend on you. I cannot, I don't like jello. You just rock too much. I can't do it. I can't do it. You can't be a runner. Look at this. Say advance. You can't be bitter. Yeah, she going to say she don't like my pie. She can't even cook. You're bitter. I'm just... Thanksgiving, I don't know. How do you know somebody is bitter? Because bitterness is the residue of a painful experience. Sunday's message is called how to get over being offended. Because when you're always offended, you're bitter. You have nothing good to say to nobody. When people interact with you, they remember it for what they don't want. Watch me. Look at this next part. Don't burn your house down. You ready? <laughs> but making it better. When you deal with rejection and abandonment, you will often just say, you know what? Just forget everything. Forget everything. I'm done. I'm done with everything. Well, you didn't tow your house up. Okay, come on. Lean in. How many of us can be honest that we've done that? You tore everything up. You had one issue with one person, and now you didn't step out of. I wish you would. Man, you don't burn your own house down. <laughs> For some of you tonight, you're going to get your house back together. Because you've been, look at me, you've been letting people get under your skin. How many to be honest right now, you got somebody that's been getting under your skin right now? Put your hands up. Look at all these hands. Look at me. Don't you burn your house down. Don't you burn your house down. Come on, we're almost there. Y'all still with me? All right, that's me. So we accept, we advance. Look at this last one. Then we forgive. 
Yeah. That's why I did this on a Wednesday. How many of y'all got somebody right now? It's just, it's, I ain't even finished and hands up. <laughs> like, yeah, I probably do, Bishop. How many got somebody right now? Where, where the truth is, you, you know you have to forgive. Here's the question. But you don't really want to. Let's be honest. You can never heal if you're not real. Question. What if God used the same standard against you? What if he said, you know what? I ain't really feeling you today. See how quiet it got? What if he said, I'm going to stop, watch me. If I turn my face from you and you skip a heartbeat, you skip a breath. What if I hold you to the same standard you're holding everybody else to? See, this is spiritual adulting because kids want to get even. Kids want to see me outside at 3 o'clock. <laughs> but spiritual adults say, no, forgiveness isn't weak. It's not weak to forgive. It's strength to forgive. And there's some people that have rejected you and abandoned you that you have not forgiven. And as long as you don't forgive them, you keep reliving that. And I know what some of you are saying, but Bishop, they keep reoffending. I got you on Sunday. Like I forgave them at 4.30 and by 4.32. You can't mismanage rejection and abandonment through acting without regard for your consequences. David, David, y'all, David, um, he dealt with rejection and abandonment. He became king. He was a worshiper. He was a prophet, which teaches us something. When you're gifted, you will often be afflicted with severe rejection and severe abandonment so that you don't trust anybody so that you will hoard your gift and never use it for God's glory. I don't trust nobody. Can we talk? We got to talk fast because it's time to go. David, his mother abandoned him. How do you know that? She's nowhere in the scriptures. David and his brothers have a different mother because the Bible says David says he was born in sin, shaped in iniquity. They were a blended family, and David deals with abandonment. This is why, what does he do? Because he never dealt with his rejection and abandonment. Look at me. He was king, which means you can have position. He was rich. You can have money. He was good looking. You can look good. Have you ever noticed how some people who look great pick the worst people to date? Because they pick at the level of their own individual belief about themselves. David had money. David had position. David, David had authority. David was good looking, the Bible says. But you know what David did? Because he never dealt with the abandonment from his mother not being there. We don't know her name. We don't know where she's from. We don't know anything. All we know is when her and Jesse, David's father, get together, they produced a good-looking boy. Other than that, we don't know anything about her. So who did David run to? 
when he needed comfort? Nobody. Who did David run to when he hurt his knee? Jesse didn't really like him, not because he didn't like David. It's because he didn't like David's mother. So he treats David differently for his entire life because he looks at David and sees his mama. And for some of you, you have dealt with rejection and abandonment and you did nothing. It's because when they see you, they're reminded of somebody that they don't like. So let's be honest. Some of you, you were treated different. Let's be honest. Some of you, you are treated different. You ready? <laughs> you ready? And that can hurt. Samuel, the man of God, shows up to David's house to anoint a new king. And when he shows up Wednesday, he's like, hey. And nobody's listening because nobody cares. David's out in the pasture with the sheep. His seven brothers are in the house with Samuel, the man of God, and Jesse, David's father, and his brothers. David doesn't get invited into the house. Rejection. David's not even acknowledged. Rejection. David walks into the house, and his father doesn't say, come on, son, meet the man of God. He stands there, and he looks at him because he says, I know it can't be him. What do you do when your rejection is so deep that you have people betting that you fail who should be? Who should be rooting for your success? So when David was out there with those sheep, David developed a relationship. Watch me. That was inequitable. Because his sheep can't talk back. So he learns, watch me, to create. Can I go here? Can, can we get some therapy in the room? So he develops imaginary friends. He develops, he develops imaginary circumstances and situations. He has to create a world in which there is someone that is not abandoning him and there is somebody that is not rejecting him. So he's out with the sheep, and while he's out with the sheep, watch me, David was a, a some might call him a workaholic, but that's because that's where David found his comfort, because watch me, you can't abandon me from my work, you can't abandon me from, from that, you can't reject me from my work, so I know you think it's too much, but this can't abandon me, but people, they have proven that they can. So he's with the sheep, and when David is with the sheep, he's doing his thing, and, and he's got these, these animals, and he, he's around these animals, and so watch me. He begins to deal with these animals, and the only place he has to turn is to God. How did David write all those psalms? Because while he was abandoned and rejected, he said, God, when my mother and father forsake me, you all I got. And for some of you, look at me, the rejection and the abandonment was to point you. Because some of you depend too much on people. And you live for their acceptance, which means you die at their rejection. And I need you to speak this over your life. Say, God is with me. I should stop, but can I tell a little bit more? Just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. Online, I need you to share if you haven't shared. So David walks in the house. His brothers look at him. They don't like him. You ever had to be around somebody that didn't like you? <laughs> you like, David walk in the house, smells like what he's been around. Because they thought that was going to punish him. Go out there and keep the sheep. 
Go do the lowly thing. You're not punishing me. For every person who feels like they always give me the little thing, they always give me the small thing, that's not punishment. That's called preparation. Because, David, if you don't learn how to lead sheep, you'll never lead people. I need you to thank God for everything where people thought they were hurting you, thought they were punishing you, thought they were... They thought they were taking you down, but really, baby, you were getting me ready. Come on, I need you to slap somebody a high five, say, it prepared you, it prepared you. David walks in the house, his brothers don't like him. They look at him crazy. We know this because later they said, David, you're arrogant. It's amazing how they accused him of being something that he was not. You you know what he was? He was very insecure. Him running out to fight Goliath was really an act of insecurity. What do you mean, Bishop? Because in his mind, I'll finally do something. Watch me. You ready? You ready? You ready? You ready? Can I have some real conversation Wednesday? It was really a suicide mission. Because Goliath should have killed David and taken him out. So when David says, I'll fight Goliath, and I found out the rewards, David never really anticipated ever getting the rewards. Watch me, because nobody had ever beaten Goliath. Which means, David, you were really on a suicide mission, which tells us you really had already given up on yourself. And when you had given up on yourself, God says, David, this won't be your end. This will be a brand new. This is too deep. This is too deep. This is too deep. This is too deep. He wasn't supposed to survive. That's why he didn't take a sword. He took rocks. He didn't even prepare to win. (laughs) I want to talk to some of you where let's keep it, let's keep it 100. You ain't even prepping to win. But watch me. But God's not going to let you lose. Oh, my God. Come on, we got to go. We got to go. I'm out of time. But can I get you to lift your hands because God's not going to let you lose. mm -mm, mm -mm. You weren't even preparing for victory, but victory is about to be seized by you. Open up your mouth, please, and shout victory. (laughs) So David beats Goliath. He doesn't plan on it. Saul says, come live with me in the palace. He becomes David, he becomes Saul's musician. After he becomes Saul's musician, people are starting to say, Saul's killed his thousands, David's killed his tens. To a boy who's never heard he was worth anything, when people start speaking to your ego, don't be the type of person who can't be trusted with a compliment. David had never heard he was good. He had never been told he was good. His father never heard him play. He had never been affirmed. So when the people start saying, David's killed his tens of thousands, David starts feeling himself. David begins to think, maybe I am something. Maybe I am something. Nobody's ever told me I'm good. Me? 
it's a weird combination when you're insecure and arrogant at the same time. Me? Yeah, I know. So what does David do? Eventually, he begins to run to women, and he becomes careless. Why? I want a mama. Let me flip it. Let me flip it, because you ladies are like, tell him this shit. Are you in search of the father you didn't have? Or the one that never affirmed you? Which is why you get with men who are paternal, and then you get mad that they're trying to tell you what to do. This is too much. So what does David do? He becomes a womanizer. He's got Abigail, the finest woman the Hebrews say ever lived. I, wanna, I can't wait to meet her. I'm going to tell you right now. The Hebrews say she was the finest woman to ever walk the planet. <laughs> Every single man, I pray the Lord send you an Abigail. Come on. <laughs> right, look at me. See? <laughs> he has Abigail. He's got other wives. But because he's still dealing with rejection and abandonment, what does he do? Who is that on the roof? She's married. And? When you don't handle rejection and abandonment, you think there are no boundaries. There's no rules. I can do what I want to do. I know what they said, but this one I'm going to do. And she's Bathsheba. Just bring her to me. King, that's Uriah's wife. That's Mr. Big's wife. You know I don't know the words. <laughs> you know the words. I don't know the words. They're like, they're like, David, you can't mess with David. Look at me. Reasoning wasn't louder than his rejection and abandonment. This is why some of y'all come to church learn every week. And then when you end something, your rejection and your abandonment speaks louder. You, you can take 40 pages of notes, copious notes, and your rejection and abandonment will be louder. David mismanages that. Because of that, price is that his first child with Bathsheba has to die. Solomon, the second, too, lived. Too, lived. Look at me. Look at me. Rejection, here's your shout, and abandonment have already stolen from you. But tonight, I prophesy to you that just like David got a second opportunity with Solomon, I pray that whatever rejection and abandonment has stolen from you, that tonight would be the birthing of your Solomon. It would be your second opportunity. You are in 2022. Two is the biblical number of witness. If I'm prophesying to you in this building and online, stand to your feet, open up your mouth, and rejoice that God's about to give you a second opportunity. 
what rejection and abandonment stole, it will steal no longer. It will steal no longer. Come on, Wednesday, say it will steal no longer. Come on, say it again. It will steal no longer. In Jesus' name. Look at the person next to you. Just put a two in front of them. Online, put a two. Put a two. It's two months left in 2022. Come on, y'all. Come on, y'all. Come on, y'all. Which means God's going to give you an opportunity. He's going to give you an opportunity to make up in November and December for everything rejection and abandonment has ever stolen from you in your life. Come on, we got to go. I'm way over time. But can you rejoice that you're going to have your second opportunity in November and December? Hey! Hallelujah! Here's about ice coals in this building and online. Did you get something? Out of the extended cut? His better nice goes in this building online. If you need to become a Christian, tonight's your night. Secondly, if you're giving your life to the Lord, you've not been faithful to him. Tonight's your night to recommit yourself to him. Thirdly, like Bishop, I don't know where things stand with God, but I want to be sure. I want to leave this building. I want to log off sure. Hear me. God does not reject you. God does not abandon you. He doesn't throw you away. He doesn't walk away from you. He's always there. Goodness, that's good news. Even when David messed up, God still said, you're mine. David is the only man where the Bible says, you're a man after my own heart. Yes, you have rejection. Yes, you had abandonment. But that was then. Somebody say, but this is now. You need to become a Christian. Recommit yourself, Lord. Be sure on three. Throw that hand up in the building. Do the hand wave emoji. It says me online. One, two, three. If that's you, respond right where you're at. Right where you're at. In the building and online. Hallelujah. Everybody, 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 pray this for me. Say, Father, thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for your love for me. I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that you are my Lord and my Savior. I will not stay stuck in rejection and abandonment. What it's stolen from me, come on, say it with authority. What is stolen from me, it will steal no longer. Come on, even if you have to do this next part by faith, still do it. Say, I forgive them. Even if you got to say it by faith, say, and I let it go. It was protection. It was redirection. It got me closer to God. In Jesus' name. Just pray that prayer for the first time. Recommit yourself to the Lord. You're now sure. Scan the QR code on the screen or text decision at 877-552-4746. Did you make a decision to become a Christian for the first time or recommit your life to Jesus? We want to help you make Christianity a lifestyle and not just a hobby. So just text the word decision to 877-552-4746 and we'll send simple next steps so you know what to do next. We're praying for you and congratulations. Remember, your faithful giving is how we continue to bring life-giving messages like these to you. So bless what blesses you in our app or online at www.harvestchurch.church forward slash give. Remember to love God, love people, and love life. We made USAA insurance to help you save. 
take advantage of discounts when you cover your home and your ride. Discover how we're helping members save at usaa.com slash bundle. Restrictions apply. We made USAA insurance for veterans like James. When he found out how much USAA was helping members save, he said, It's time to switch. We'll help you find the right coverage at the right price. USAA. What you're made of, we're made for. Restrictions apply.